I, I had a professor in, in seminary that talked about, um, he was talking with a spiritual director um, and his spiritual director um, was asking him, but he said, hey, I really want to up my game and my spiritual practices. Um, and he was thinking these great things like, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to pray for an hour and I'm going to read these books. And his uh, spiritual director said, hold on a second. Like, let's just back up for a second. Um, and he says, tell me about the most stressful part of my day. Um, and he said, the most stressful part of my day is when I sit down on my computer right before um, I open my inbox. And uh, <clears throat> he says, well, what if um, before you did that, you took a second and you said, Spirit of God, these next four breaths are yours. Um, I open to you in these next four breaths. Um, and that, that was a rhythm that he had every day. Um, took maybe 30 seconds. Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 36. Today's episode features an interview with Rodrigo de la Soda. Rodrigo is the director of spiritual formation for an organization called Cyclical LA. He is from Los Angeles, that's the LA in that title, but as he says in his official bio, his roots will always be found in his native land of Chile. This interview, just get ready, this this interview is going to totally blow your mind. It's just fantastic. Rodrigo is super deep and thoughtful and... Um, You'll be listening, and I was listening just when I was doing the interview, I was listening, and you will think, wow, this is really making me think and think differently about spirituality and how this works and with God. And some of, sometimes when, when Rodrigo is speaking, you're kind of like, am I following this? Am I, am I getting this? And that is, is the moment when he gives an illustration that makes everything he was saying completely clear and fall all into place. So I don't know how he does that, uh, but he has these amazing illustrations to help us understand uh, spirituality and psychology. He has a psychology background. It's just get ready. This interview is so awesome. Like we have awesome interviews on this show. Like, and that's really nothing to do with me. Um, just, I'm so thankful for having uh, the guests that we've had on this show. And I'm glad we're back to the interview format. Um, it was fun to read my book to you and all of that, but we're back to some interviews. Although I think I'm for Christmas, I might actually be doing some kind of Christmas special because, you know, it seems like this is sort of like a, a radio show or something like that. And it seems like we should have a Christmas special. So that might be something different yet again. Uh, we'll see. Um, get ready for that. But this interview, you're going to love it. Um, so I should say like we're in the season of Advent and uh, it's this time of waiting uh, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I feel kind of, uh, somewhat bombarded. Actually, I did a video about this on Facebook. So if you go to my Facebook page, just search for Matthew David Bruff on Facebook, you'll find the Facebook page. The last name is B-R-O-U-G-H. Uh, and I did a little video there about kind of feeling overwhelmed and bombarded by lots of different things you could do for Advent. I know we're already into it now. 
um, like devotionals and special readings and different activities and, you know, make sure you're giving and make sure you're serving and doing all of this stuff. Um, Advent is kind of this explosion of activity, even though the roots of this season are, are not really around being busy and having activity, but it's kind of seems like, you know, commercially we build the Christmas and it's, and it's just lots of activity, lots of parties. We're busy, busy. And the church and, and leaders in the church, and I'm sure I will do this at some point where I'll probably write some kind of Advent devotional. And, and even those devotionals that often those devotionals that we have are intended to help us sort of slow down, but it just seems like at least the week before Advent, um, I just saw so many like, get this devotional, get this, uh, get, get this activity, do this for Advent. What's your Advent practice going to be? And I just thought, wow, this is a lot. Um, so I shared on a video about how I have been using uh, an app on my phone to read the divine office or praying the hours and that my Advent practice is going to be just to continue doing that. And hopefully that practice is going to continue after Advent is over. Although I did mention that I may do something different for Christmas for the Christmas season. Um, yeah. So if you want to watch that video, you can go search for it. Uh, or, um, if you want to download that app, it's pretty easy to find, um, it's just called Daily Office or Liturgy of the Hours on the Go. And it just uh, helps you go through those uh, pattern of readings and prayers on a daily basis for every day of the year. So, um, yeah, I just thought I would let you know about that. And just if you're feeling kind of hectic over Advent and not really knowing where to turn, maybe instead of trying to figure out what you're going to do just for the season of Advent, you just start something new, um, start fresh. Uh, read the Psalms if you need to. I know I talk about that lots. Um, and and don't think about this as my Advent thing. Maybe that's not for you. Maybe it's a time for you to just restart and start something new and, and, and get back to praying every day or, or whatever it might be. Now, I'm saying all of this, but you're going to listen to this interview with Rodrigo. And um, you, you heard the clip at the beginning of the episode as well. And he is going to help you as well kind of like shift your thinking about spiritual practices even and uh and and what they're even for or how to understand them so at the very very end as well we we kind of there, there there's a bunch in here but at the very end there's there's this thing about having sort of simple anchors throughout the day to remind yourself of that you're loved you're held by god it's just great so um Maybe, maybe this is what you need to hear, especially in a time of real uh, busyness or what can be a time of real busyness. All right. I, I also sent out an email uh, to people who are on uh, my, it's like a subscriber list, uh, which if, if you're not on it, you can, you can go to the Spirituality for Normal People website, spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. And there's a thing there that says sign up to get you know, a PDF that has six tips for staying connected to God. Um, when when you sign up to get that, you get it uh, for free. Um, but you also, you'll also get um, emails from me periodically just about new podcast episodes or if I've got a question or if there's a new book coming out or just something that I might find interesting that I want to pass on to, to people. So you get really more than, than the... Uh, than just the guide. So if you haven't signed up for that, you can go get that. Um, but I today I 
sent out today when I'm recording this, I sent out a an email to, to that list and just asked a question because I've been thinking about changing the name of this podcast. Uh, when I started it about eight months ago, uh, I put a bunch of thought into the name, but maybe not a ton. And it uh, I called it Spirituality for Normal People. And it turned out that a couple of the guests that I've had on here have accidentally called it spirituality for ordinary people rather than spirituality for normal people. And every time I've heard someone uh, do that accidentally, I think, I've thought, oh, why didn't I call it spirituality for ordinary people? Maybe that would be better because I feel like normal as a word, kind of talking about normal people is a bit of a loaded word. You know, it's kind of like, and and I even say in the intro, I know I say in the intro, not that anybody's normal. Um, And, uh, and so I asked today, should I change it from, from normal to ordinary? Is that maybe a better, a better word with kind of less loaded? Um, Now language is, is kind of slippery. So there are problems with ordinary as well. And some people are suggesting real, but there's some problems. I I just don't think that has the same ring to it. Spirituality for real people. I just think spirituality for ordinary people sounds like it has a nice ring to it. Um, there's problems with ordinary because it's kind of saying, well, is anybody ordinary? Well, not really either. Uh, I think everybody is special and unique in, in a particular way. So in some ways, nobody's ordinary, neither is anybody normal. Um, and, uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe ordinary has just got a little less baggage than, than normal. I mean, I'm trying to shoot for just, just like regular people, you know, um, just ordinary people and spirituality, like that, not for the elites, not for highly intellectual people, not for, you know, the theology department. Um, and not even necessarily for people who are super in the church, you know, just uh, who, you know, you're not in church leadership and you're not necessarily volunteering and all everything, but just ordinary people, um, and, and it turns out that ordinary people or normal people, uh, actually are pretty quirky and pretty not normal. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of a tricky thing to title, but anyway, if you've got an opinion on that, send me an email. Uh, you can just send it to matt at mattbruff.com. So matt at m-a-t-t-b-r-o-u-g-h dot com. And uh, let me know, what do you think? Should it be spirituality for ordinary people or spirituality for normal people? And I'll just warn you like this, I'm recording this in, it's it's around the second week of December, 2017. Some people listen to these late. I'm going to make this change pretty soon. So if, if the change is going to happen, it's going to happen, I would think early January. So um, once I put stuff out there, I, I'm, I'm going to make the decision pretty fast. Now, that being said, this is kind of a funny thing. Um, I So I'm, I'm thinking about changing the name, but also last week I made a new Instagram account for spirituality for normal people. So <laughs> if you search, if you're an Instagram person, you can go follow that account and I'll, I'll be posting some things on there. There's not much there yet. Um, but I really enjoy Instagram, like taking pictures and seeing what other people are posting on there. Uh but it, so if you are, you can go search for, at least right now, you can search for spirituality for normal people. Of course, if I change the name, the Instagram account name is going to change to spirituality for ordinary people. So, or some, some form of that, because I don't even know if that is available or anything like that. So 
anyway, go and search for me on Instagram. You can always follow my personal account too. And I know lots of you uh, who are listening might be following that account as well. So that, that one's going to stay the same. That's just uh, Matthew Bruff. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find there or, and, and my personal account is the one that's still being linked to from the website and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to change too much. Anyway, I'm kind of talking a lot about my changes that I'm making on my podcast. And really what I want to share with you is this phenomenal interview. And, um, probably a bunch of you have just hit the skip button a bunch on your podcast app. Uh, to get to the interview. So I will, those of you who have not hit the skip button, I will let you stop listening to me and you can listen to this great conversation with Rodrigo de la Soda. It's great to have you on the podcast today, Rodrigo. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for uh, being here. I'm really, I really look forward to this conversation. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit and just tell our listeners as well about, uh, you can tell us about yourself a bit, but but really, I want to know uh, what is cyclical LA because probably lots of people have not heard about what that is, and then and then sort of what about your specific role there? Sure. Um, well, uh, cyclical LA, actually, interestingly enough, we actually just spent some time kind of reworking some of our uh, trying to get more concise language, um, uh, you know, regarding our uh, mission statement and stuff, and we we kind of really landed on the um, the heartbeat of that cyclical LA. Um, we are working to uh, develop leaders towards sustainability uh, in church planning ecosystems. Um, and so basically, we really um, feel uh, called to the natural life cycle of the church, which is church planting, uh, which is churches planting other churches. Um, but we do realize oftentimes that folks who actually either feel drawn to church planting or are part of a church planting um, you know, process are usually just very, very feel very alone and feel very unsupported. Um, I mean, that's why some of the statistics are so heavy and church plants not working out. Um, and so, uh, Nick, Nick Warnes, who was the founder of, um, really kind of got, uh, cyclical off the ground, uh, began by at the church plant that he had formed, um, started gathering leaders, started uh, creating kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, summer cohorts there. And that kind of naturally funneled into kind of a system of, um, gathering leaders, um, who are both interested in church planting and are in the process of church planting uh, for just a place of mutual support, a place of training and development. Um, and it really has kind of like three major cycles, which is kind of like the, the where the cyclical term comes from. Uh, we begin with folks that are discerners, um, folks that are just exploring whether church planting is for them. Um, and we really believe that that's actually one of the most important and sacred parts of it, because um, oftentimes things don't start until someone is already in, in the movement, you know, already doing it. Um, but we feel, I mean, that, that time when folks are actually wrestling through and asking the questions and wanting to find information is a real sacred time. Um, and so we begin, we meet, we begin with folks that are in the discernment process. And then we have folks that are starters. Those are those that actually have started some kind of work, um, some kind of a new worshiping community. And, and we use that term very broadly, uh, very intentionally. Um, and then, uh, our, our hope is that discerners and our experience really has been that discerners, become starters who plant churches, who foster up other discerners who become starters and become, uh, develop churches. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that's a little bit kind of the overview of, of what cyclical is. Mm-hmm. Um, my specific role within that um, is uh, I'm the director of spiritual formation. So I, I work with just um, our, my heart and then kind of in partnership with Nick is uh, we want to just see, we want to see leaders that aren't just uh, trained, but are also healthy. 
Um, and uh, I, I mean, we really kind of terms with the fact that for, for folks when they're coming into church planting, and I think when it comes into ministry in general, or is, is that we come in with the best of intentions. We come in with an intention to, to serve God, to serve people, to love others well, to um, have it uh, balanced with our family. And so we have all these um, ideals in regards to our intentions, but, but quite often our intentions just crash into the wall of our capacities. Um, and we're just faced with the reality of that we just don't have the capacities to do the things that we intended to do. Um, and so, so that's kind of my role is to work with folks in regards to um, their own spiritual health, their own um, kind of internal scaffolding, if you will, um, with the hope um, of being able to sustain kind of the, 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 the work that they're doing. Um, I, I kind of, one, one of the, the taglines that I always kind of come back to is that um, our capacities uh, to love others well is never going to exceed our experience of being loved well uh, by God and by others. Um, and, and we really believe that, uh, that church planting in specific is a very strategic time for that. Um, because if you think about it, oftentimes if you're working with kind of the internal health um, of a community, if, you, if you're working with an established church that already has momentum and, and systems in place, um, oftentimes uh, you're, you're having to have people ask the questions of slowing down, of what structures do they need to tear down uh, in order because, because they're unhealthy, um, and it's oftentimes, it's just a lot easier um, and a lot more efficient and a lot more strategic to work with folks while they're building the house rather than having to kind of remodel the house or, or, you know, having to consider ways in which they might need to uh, do some restructuring in the house. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's just a little bit about, about that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of awesome that, uh, that the organization has, like, has your role specifically there. And sort of an acknowledgement of that's that's something that's needed. Like I don't know that I've seen that in a lot of places where sort of the focus is more, um, especially around church planting. Uh, the the focus is often uh, around the strategy, yeah. And you know how are we going to do it? And then let's just find really let's just find some really great leader, and and then. And then they're through them, them being really dynamic, the, then a church is going to be planted and it's going to be great. Yeah. And, yeah. and just tons of weight gets put on that, on the shoulders yeah. of that leader. Uh, yeah. So I think it's awesome that there's sort of this emphasis on, on spiritual health. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think that's just great. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Cause like, um, we, um, we just had a conference here, um, a week or so ago and another fellow worker that uh, works with, uh, the evangelical covenant church, his name's, uh, Tim Mori. Um, he's been doing church planning for a while. And he said uh, something that just really stuck with me. And he said, um, in my experience, um, pretty much every time that a church plant has failed, um, it wasn't because uh, the leader wasn't um, a good preacher um, or didn't have the skill set um, or didn't have theological training. It pretty much always had to do with the fact that, that they just didn't have um, the character scaffolding or the emotional um, you know, scaffolding to be able to sustain the work. Um, yeah. So it's always a matter of the heart. Um, I mean, I, I have a, um, the, a story that I always kind of go back to is uh, I have a friend in college who raced motorcycles. And so he'd always, every time I'd go up there, he'd take me into the garage and show me kind of how he was tinkering with the bike because it's kind of all about a power to weight ratio. So you want to get the, the least amount of power for the most amount of weight. And he's always telling me, he's like, oh, I took um, like, a, you know, X amount of weight off the, the bike by changing this and that and the other. And uh, one time um, I went up there and he had kind of lost a lot of weight, you know? And, and so I was asking him about it. I'm like, man, you look good. And he's, 
He told me, he said, I had an epiphany. He said, I, c- I could spend thousands of dollars taking 10 pounds off of that bike, or I could spend $0 and take 10 pounds off of me. You know? <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. I and mean, so it's, it's really the idea that um, not only are we helping folks to do different things uh, in regards to building the bike, because building the bike is important, um, but uh, they're going to be doing things differently because they're different. Um, and that's usually the biggest bang for your buck in regards to uh, the development of leaders and, and, and really kind of the sustainability of a church um, is, 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 is the health of the leader. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we're talking about church planting and that's kind of what you you do. And I'm a church planter as well. Um, but I think that applies in other areas of life, right? Like I, I would think so that it, when we tend to our own spiritual health, our own health in general, um, it's going to make us obviously more effective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever, in whatever kind of place in life that we're, uh, engaging is probably going to make that a, a better kind of engagement. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that kind of goes to the, to the idea that I think oftentimes, um, matters of spirituality are just assumed, like mm-hmm. um, whether it's folks in, in seminary or even like people within the church, it's like, oh yeah, just read your Bible and pray. Um, and well, it's interesting. I mean, it feels like, especially when it comes to things like prayer, um, oftentimes it feels like so much of our effort is in telling people how important prayer is. And it's, I don't think anyone um, argues that, you know? Um, I mean, it kind of feels like if a, if a couple goes into see a marriage counselor and the marriage counselor just looks at them and goes, you guys really need to communicate, <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, that's why we're here because <laughs> we need help because we, we're having issues with that process. Right, right. Um, so we're kind of already talking about this, but I, I picked up in your bio, it says that you have a passion to help others explore how theological reflection and psychological development can have a meaningful conversation and how sacred space can be discovered in all things. Um, I, can you say what that means? Some sure. people say unpack that, but I'm not a big fan of the, the <laughs> unpack that. But what is yeah. that? Sure. Um, well, for me, uh, so um, when I started my educational process, um, I was going down the road of psychology. Um, I just was very drawn um, to kind of that process and in that part of development. Um, but I couldn't get away from my desire for theology, um, my desire for, for vocational ministry. Um, and so I really kind of... Uh, it it led me down to the path of, of like, how do those two things interact? Like how do those two things integrate together? Um, because oftentimes when it comes to theology, it's all about, um, you know, preaching and teaching the ideal, like here's who we should be. Um, and, and usually all that ends up like we, we learn more and more what the ideal is, but that ends up just leaving us. The only option we have is guilt because uh, if we're to be the ideal, it means we have to try harder. And the more, the harder we try, the less we do it. And so um, it just leads us to to a path of guilt oftentimes. But, I don't know, uh, like, that's what my tradition is all about. Like, that's <laughs> the Presbyterian yeah, Church for all about absolutely. that. Like, that's great. Like, make people feel guilty. And yeah. It'll, of confession, and it's fine. There we go. There we go. I hope people are picking up my sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And, um, and I think um, I always, uh, um, in, in some of the, the, the workshops and stuff that I do, I always kind of begin by showing a picture of, uh, you know, the, the, the little engine that could. You know, and it's like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And then I found this cartoon of uh, that engine, uh, the engine uh, panhandling and his sign says, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. Wow. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's, it, it really came down to the idea of, can we understand um, the developmental process uh, through a spiritual lens, you know? And that led me to kind of... Um, like the, the, the tradition of like Christian mysticism and, and some of like the church fathers that really 
I mean, that was the heart of what they talked about. It says, can we understand the way that we grow and the way that we develop and, and, and mature um, and change? Hmm. Yeah. So how can a sacred space be discovered in all things? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that for me really has to do with the fact that um, I think when we think of spiritual practices, when we think of, um, ex- quote unquote, experiencing God, we think of it as someplace we have to go, something we have to do. Um, but uh, for me, uh, I, I kind of really begin with the assumption that God is present in all things. Um, and, uh, and the beauty oftentimes is lying there just below the surface. Um, and, uh, and if we just open up to the beauty of God um, in a conversation, in a dinner party, um, in having coffee, uh, in exercising, and taking a walk. Um, God is present just below the surface. And he's, he, whether, whether or not God is present uh, isn't in question. Um, and it's just a matter of whether we're open to it. Um, and uh, for me, one of the things that's, that I've really valued in that is that um, whether or not our kind of intention to be open to it or not does not dictate God's posture and God's intention to be there. You know, God is there uh, just because he, God loves us and God wants to be present. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I like as well when you're, when you're giving examples of, uh, of where God, uh, of, of well, it's everywhere, but, uh, you know, uh, noticing in a, you know, in a conversation or with friends or coffee shop, like many of the things you're mentioning are indoor things. And I like that because um, right now it's really cold here. Uh, I'm in Winnipeg and you're in LA. So I thought, oh, he's going to talk about, you know, going outside and, you know, while you're surfing or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and that doesn't always work for like six months of the year where I'm from. Oh, yeah. I still go, we still go out and walk in, in, in the middle of winter as well. I'll probably go for a walk later today. But um, yeah. I think to remember as well that it's not just, uh, I, I really like getting outside and being in nature. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and a great way to to know uh, God's presence, but uh, but it's good to find indoor options too for us. Comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a very self centered and egotistical um, common thing about uh, that people think about folks in LA, especially Southern California, is that our posture is you know folks from other places come to us and say we could never live in LA because um, we just love seasons too much. Too much. And folks in LA says, yeah, we love seasons too. That's why we live somewhere that skips crappy ones. <laughs> right, right. That's good. Uh, all right. Um, you also like, and this may be just about certain kinds of prayer. And I know I struggle with this as well in my role as a pastor is, is how to, you know, teaching people how to pray. Mm. I actually think is is challenging or can be challenging. Like I maybe lean a little bit more towards reminding people to pray mm-hmm. um and like you said we focus a lot on well prayer is really important but i think actually teaching people how to do it mm-hmm. um i i find that hard to do or hard to know how to do that um and then you sent me a link uh in our emails that we had uh that was to a, a video where you were talking about a particular kind of prayer um which you were calling a prayer of recollection and you kind of walked people through in that video what that was and how to do it. And I, th- I thought that was sure. really, really helpful. Um, but may- So maybe you could even just talk about that kind of prayer or, or other, other things that you might think are important that might be helpful for, for pastors trying to teach people how to pray or also just mm-hmm. for people in general about if they're looking for, well, I don't really know exactly what to do or I'm having trouble with prayer. What, what kinds of things should I be paying attention to or what can I do? Sure, sure. Um, and again, for me, like the, the the biggest part where this comes from is having to sit with my own experience in regards to what 
um, what's been meaningful and transformative um, <clears throat> in, in the journey that I've been on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, like, it was very, very helpful when um, uh, I was kind of led through the idea of, like, what does it mean to understand prayer through a relational lens? You know, if, if we actually understand the same relational dynamics that happen in other relationships that we have, you know, and um, I think sometimes we can really approach prayer in a very transactional and informational uh, lens. Like, you know, am I doing it? And, and the, the biggest question is always, are you hearing from God? You know, is, is God speaking to you? You know, and are you listening? Um, but for me, like, I think of, like, if you think of, like, the last uh, conversation you had that just went on for hours um, and just kind of felt timeless, um, you know, and if, and if I asked you about that, if I asked you to tell me, like, um, specific things that the, the other person says, like, you might be able to tell one or two things, you know, but if I ask you about, like, you know, how did that feel? You know, how did you experience the other person? Mm-hmm. How did you experience the other person experiencing you? Um, then we really have a lot of stuff to unpack. Um, and so for me, it really comes to through, through the lens of not whether or not we are hearing from God, but whether we feel heard by God, you know, whether we're having the experience of feeling that we can be um, unburdened and open and honest uh, and truthful with whatever's going on inside of our heart and that God is simply there um, in providing the experience of, of, of helping us feel known and heard and seen. Um, so that, that's kind of, that's kind of like the biggest uh, place where I usually start from, um, in specific to what you're kind of uh, referring to, um, the prayer of recollection has probably one of, been one of the most significant, um, spiritual disciplines that have been part of my journey. Um, and it comes, uh, really from a lot of the work of, uh, Teresa of Avila, um, which, you know, she was a church mother, um, long, long time ago. Um, and, 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 and the thought of it isn't like recollect, uh, recollection in regards to remembering, but recollection in regards to regathering, uh, recollecting. Um, so it really comes to the sense of that all of us have all these different parts of our identity, all these different identity hats that we have. And none of those are bad in and of themselves. They're parts of who we are. Um, but the prayer of recollection is really an idea of what does it mean to regather those things almost under the umbrella of the deepest part of who we are, which is our identity in Christ. That, that um, beyond all the, at my core, I am not, um, you know, uh, I'm not a man. Um, I'm not uh, a spiritual director. Um, I'm not a brother. I'm not a boyfriend. Um, I'm not defined by, you know, what I do, how much money I have, my failures, my successes. But, but there is something deeper than that that defines me. Um, and it's the fact that I'm seen, known, loved, and held uh, by God. At my core is, is a relational core. Um, and, uh, and so a, a lot of it is just, I mean, I can go in a little bit more of the, the specifics of it, but, but a lot of it is, is, um, is really a sense of um, a process of remembrance in recollecting who we are uh, at our core. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what you said at the beginning, too, um, just about, uh, I, I, I don't, maybe, like, I got to learn this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, I want to I hear from God. Mm. Um, and, uh, well, sometimes I actually, in my book, I kind of say that sometimes I do want to hear from God when it's comforting, but sometimes I yeah. don't want to hear from God when it's mm-hmm. challenging or, um, you know, asking me to do something that I don't want to do. Um, <laughs> but I, I think people go to prayer either to, to sometimes just to, to say something like I'm going to pray for healing for my aunt or, yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, I've got a, I've got my laundry list of, of things that I want God to do. Sure. Um, and then, uh, they may move beyond that to then, uh, okay, actually I'm supposed to be listening for God. Mm. Um, but I think you're talking about beyond that again, um, 
and, and to put it in that, that the context of a you know uh, a real relationship and I, mm. I find that really useful um, yeah. to think about oh yeah if I'm um, you know we're going out with friends on Friday night mm. and I'm really looking forward to to seeing them and uh, we're going to a restaurant that uh, also has uh, it's like a board game restaurant oh nice so, so they like you can you, you go, you order food and uh, you order like a game and they bring the game to your table and you can play. Um, so it's pretty cool. Uh, I haven't, I haven't been before, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. But I'm not going into that, uh, that dinner thinking, oh, I really want to tell my friends this mm-hmm. uh, and, and about my life. Like that, they've got, I mean, if I have news, sure. But I, I don't really have news. I just am looking forward to because I really like those friends. Hmm. and I'm not going there thinking, well, you know, I really hope I'm able to understand what they're going to say to me. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Right? um, and, and you're right. Like at, at, after the day, I'm probably like, I might be able to tell you about one of the board games we played because we're actually doing an activity. Um, or whether you won or lost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to be able to tell you everything in the conversation, hmm. um, or everything that was heard or everything that was said. So I really like that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel like I really have to learn that <laughs> when it comes <laughs> and, to God. Like, how do you? Um, I, I, I guess is it is it really make it more about changing your mindset when it comes to prayer? Is that kind of the uh, maybe? But I, 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 I also think that it's 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 um, like finding a different place to begin from um, because oftentimes I know for me, like when I kind of began to wrestle through that, um, I had to begin with the fact of like no, I don't like, I don't feel a deep sense of safety and honesty when I pray. Oftentimes if I pray, I feel like I'm talking to a brick wall. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I I don't have a very deep and profound, um, sense of that, you know? And so it really, um, had to, uh, one begin by acknowledging that and just, uh, considering that God is okay with that and God understands that. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I mean, and, and then I think that's when kind of maybe our experience of each other comes into play, like whether it's, um, spiritual direction or therapy, like ways in which others can kind of, um, create that relational experience and that relational space, um, that kind of almost like creates the emotional hooks, um, in which to hang that experience with and towards God. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know, like for me, and I, that's why I really feel like I always kind of go with like, yes, I think it is true um, that petition, petitioning God in prayer is important. You know, sure. we want to pray for, for things and for people. Um, and, but and, God, and God does speak. Yes. Right. Um, and, and, and sometimes yes. God says something to you. Yes. Uh, I mean, but, but for me, like, I mean, I remember one, one example that kind of really began to resonate with me um, is like, for example, if you have a son that goes up to, to, to their dad and says, dad, I want a tree house. Like, I, I really, really want a tree house. Um, if that dad just says, fine, okay, like just picks up the phone, calls a contractor, contractor comes out, builds a tree house next day. Here you go. Here's your tree house. How different that is than if a child goes up to their dad and says, dad, 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 I want a, I want a tree house. And the dad says, okay. Let's build the treehouse together. Um, and they go out, get the wood. You know, they're, they're, they spend the whole summer doing it. Um, you know, obviously the kid might, you know, uh, cut himself on a nail and that really hurts, you know. And, but, but then, you know, and then basically at the end, uh, it really isn't about the treehouse at all, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, like, I mean, in both scenarios, if like the day after they're done, if both those treehouses burn down, 
for the first scenario, he, the, the kid's left with nothing. But in the second one, he's left with everything because it really wasn't about the treehouse. It was about the relational experience that was, that was built along the way, the memories that were built, the, um, the, the lessons that were learned. Um, I mean, that, that's really, it wasn't about the treehouse at all. Yeah. Right. This is why the best birthday present is really Lego. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love Legos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's a great, that's a great illustration. That's, that is really, really good. Um, I, I'm going to refer people to, uh, I'll put a link to that video in, uh, in the show notes on my website, if that's okay. Sure. Um, sure. Cause I, cause yeah. I think in that video, you walk through kind of exactly kind of what, what the prayer of recollection is and, and how it, how it works um, hmm. and what yeah. people can do. I think it's hard because it sometimes like with prayer, it's hard to find this balance of providing tools for people because I think the natural question is, well, how, like, how do I do that? Hmm. <laughs> um, but, but partly you're saying, well, that's not really like the question isn't really a how question. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I, and I think it, I think it's oftentimes, I think especially like when it comes to something that's really become a buzzword, like something like spiritual formation, um, I think sometimes the way that we can um, really do ourselves a disservice is that we, we become practice driven instead of um, process driven. Right. You know, we just think, okay, like learn a different practice, you know, do Lectio Divina and, you know, go do prayer of examine or whatever, whatever the, the, um, you know, practice of choices. Um, and, and that's great. I think we do need to learn practices, but I think that the, the real meat of it is how do we understand our process in the midst of that practice? Like if I go do Lectio Divina, um, and it's just dry as dirt, um, uh, the, the only, oftentimes the only thing I have left is, okay, I failed. Like I didn't do something right or God failed, you know, um, rather than saying, rather than having the, the space to say, wait a minute, this feels dry. Okay. Let's, let's begin there. Let's, let's unpack what that means and how that feels. Cause that's really, um, like it, it's the experience of the fact that we, we lead with our body in order to open the heart to the spirit of God. Mm. Um, and so in leading with our body, um, we, we just become aware of what's in our heart and that's where the real mean potatoes of, of relationship is found. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Like I, I've been, um, for the last few weeks, I've been, uh, praying the hours, like using, mm. um, although I'm not doing all of it. Um, so I'm mostly the morning, uh, um, the morning one, but, uh, and I have to remind myself, like, cause I, cause I'm somebody who's kind of goal oriented and, and like to complete mm. things. Sure. So, and, and I like to be efficient and that's really not a good, like, that's not a good trait when you're doing something like reading the Psalms or, or mm. the hours. And a lot of, a lot of the hours are, are Psalms actually to yeah. read anyway. Um, and, uh, and so, cause so I have to remind myself, okay, slow down. Mm. Like, read the words and actually like, it's okay to stop mm. and think about what, what you're actually reading. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I, I so quickly will just like, okay, yeah, get it done. And then I can say, yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've done the morning uh, liturgy, you know, for mm. 10 days straight. You know? yeah. <laughs> Here's your gold <laughs> start. Yeah. I've, got my, I've, I've accomplished my tasks because that's yeah. what drives yeah. me. And part mm. of that is good because then ha- like having that goal actually it makes me do it every day. Sure. Um, so I think I kind of need that, but then in it, I've got to remind myself, okay, like slow down. This is like, this is like you and God yeah. together. Yeah. And here's yeah. this resource to help you do that. Yeah. Um, mm. But it's not about what I'm reading or even if I complete it for that day, it's, mm. you know, so I, I think it's really helpful to hear you kind of talk about that and uh, the reflection on the process um, being what's important. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it's a lot more vulnerable and I think that's what can (laughs) kind of be scary sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's easier actually to just be able to check off and say, okay, yeah, I read my, I read my songs for the Mm -hmm. day and I've done that all month. You know, it's easier to just say I've done that. Sure. You know, um, or, or, or to feel the guilt of, I haven't done that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do that too. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're you're entirely alone. I, I didn't actually. You're the I'm, only one. <laughs> I'm saying I've done this uh, today, and I actually didn't do this morning's. So now, oh. yes, and I feel guilty. So <laughs> thanks for thanks for helping me with that. I, I appreciate I appreciate I could serve that role in your life. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, I we're going to kind of shift gears a bit um, because yeah. we talked we talked a bit beforehand, um, but also you emailed me about this um, that you do workshops on the theology of adoption and I know you've had experience with kind of foster care and adoption, kind of helping others through that. Um, but also just kind of understanding that. And I, I think you did some of your academic work was around that as well. Um, yeah. so I'd love to hear about that. Cause it sounds like you're pretty passionate about, about that as a, as a topic or a subject or something that people ought to know about and understand. Sure. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, and again, uh, for me, like I remember, um, kind of towards the end of my, of my grad thesis, um, when we kind of talk about like, why, why did you write this? Um, I mean, the only way that I could put it is that I felt like to, to some degree, I was, um, kind of trying to understand my spiritual autobiography. In other words, like trying to understand my experience and and find language that, that helped make sense of that. Um, and, uh, so for me, kind of like the, the, it kind of comes to two different brackets. Like one is seeing it through a historical lens and one is seeing it through, through, a, um, developmental lens. Okay. Um, and, uh, for me, uh, through a his- historical lens is, uh, is the idea that, that, um, really the first frame of reference, the first, um, lens through which, uh, the church understood itself, uh, wasn't as an institution, but it was as a family. Uh, it was just a real, you know, layover, of the kin group experience, which was um, central to the ancient Near East. Um, and people had an understanding of that. I mean, y- your kin group um, was where your entire sense of well-being, your entire worldview was developed. Um, and so Jesus comes along um, and makes statements like, who are my mother, who are my brothers, you know, but it's, it's them who, who do the will of God. Um, and that would have been an incredibly scandalous uh, statement at that day because, you know, here is Jesus implying that there is another type of familial bond um, that goes beyond blood, you know. Um, and, and so for me, like the importance of like the, that the family experience uh, <clears throat> is really the ecosystem in which the heart grows. Um, but from a, from a developmental standpoint, I, I really wanted to understand, can we see our experience of God as an attachment figure? Um, can we see um, our, our experience of spirituality through the lens of um, the way that we understand development psychologically? Um, and so for me, um, the, within the field of psychology, there's, there's, a, there's a, um, kind of a field called attachment theory and really talks about um, that the way, the type of bond that you have uh, with a primary caretaker in the first three or five years of life really kind of builds the emotional scaffolding uh, for, 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 for the rest of your life. Um, and if that's damaged, um, that the way that that's repaired, uh, is through having another attachment figure and having that be the place where that stuff is, is, is repaired and restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like really, uh, considering that maybe this idea of brokenness of sin, um, or however we understand fallenness is really the, the experience of, of, of a broken attachment, a damaged attachment that we were meant and designed to have. Um, and whether, um, our experience of each other and experience of God can create that, um, 
that restoration, if you will, of the healing of that attachment figure. And for me, it really ends up being the idea of uh, seeing that God's role towards us is one of a parent uh, and his posture is one of responsibility. And then really what he invites us towards is to take the role of a child, um, which ends up being having a posture of receptivity and cooperation, which changes the, um, the dynamic of how we, we approach things, you know, um, uh, an example, um, and, and I could stop me at some point cause I can just keep going on this. Um, but an example I, I oftentimes <laughs> kind of give is, is the idea, especially when you think, when you think of the idea of God having a posture of responsibility, like I, I, I talk to families and I say, okay, like, um, parents, parents have children. Like if you think of a, of a given day through the lens of the parents and the child, it's a very different day. Like through the parents, it's like a circus. They're just waking kids up, making sure they're fed, making sure they're getting out of the house wearing pants, you know, and they're making you know calls and appointments and stuff. Um, and, but from the, from the child standpoint, um, they just magically wake up, they walk downstairs and they're this magical food, you know, and then they hop in this magical carriage, you know, it takes them off to play with their friends, you know, they come back. Um, and really the core of it, like they are completely to a large degree unaware of the level and kind of care that's going on on their behalf behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Uh, and so the consideration that maybe, um, in ways that we can see in ways that we can, in ways that we've asked for in ways that we haven't, that God is caring for us and towards us behind the scenes and that his invitation towards us is just to begin with a, with a place of receiving that and, and kind of um, also go in the process of, of, of cooperating with that, you know, um, and how difficult that can be. I mean, I, uh, especially when you think of like um, the experience of a child who um, has gone through the process of adoption or is in, in foster care, um, you know, from, from one day to the next, everything in their external world changes. You know, they go from a place uh, that was, that can many times be very dangerous to a place of uh, safety, a place of, um, where there was a lot of food. I mean, there wasn't, there was a scarcity of food or, and, and now that there is food. Um, but even though their external reality has changed, their internal world is, is still the same. Mm. Um, and, and, and that that's okay. Like that really, um, it, it, it creates a place to where those two worlds can kind of reconcile together. And, um, and for us, I mean, you think about like oftentimes salvation is put in a sense of like that um, from one day to the next, things change. You know, we go from being alien uh, to God to being brought near, you know, and, but yet that doesn't change the, the internal world that we bring into that process. And that, that God's okay with that. That God understands that. And God actually invites that process. You know, he, he helps us, you know, carry our emotional luggage into the, you know, our new home. Hmm. Yeah. I don't want people to miss like that, the power in that illustration. Um, uh, you know, just understanding God as parent and God mm. behind the scenes caring for us and us not really yeah. being able to glimpse that. I think there's a lot of power there. Um, yeah. I'll probably steal that for a sermon. <laughs> well, and, and the thing I love about it is the fact that it's like our capacity to internalize that, our, our capacity to really believe that on the inside doesn't change the fact of whether it's there. You know, God is caring yeah. for us and loving towards us, uh, whether or not we see it, acknowledge it, or can receive it. That doesn't, that doesn't, determine whether or not God is present. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, can you talk a little bit more um, specifically about like what, when you're talking about theology of adoption and mm-hmm. adoption specifically, like what, what are you talking about there? People might not necessarily be familiar with what sure. that might be. Um, well, I mean, uh, for example, if we see in the New Testament, um, there, there are uh, five instances in which Paul frames this experience of salvation using the language uh, and imagery of adoption. Um, which, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of historical elements to what that meant in the day. Um, but really, um, it's, it's the idea that, um, there, there, there is a new, uh, relational and family bond, 
um, that happens in the restoration of this relationship. Um, and at the, at the zenith or the highest privilege of salvation is this experience of um, having uh, an adoptive experience with God, uh, of God as a parent bringing us in um, and really the, the experience of family uh, be, being at the core of it. Um, so, so what do you say, uh, like, um, when, uh, it, it, like, aren't we all just God's children? Didn't God just all create us and we're just all one big happy family? Sure. I, but I always, uh, yeah, I, but, but I always love the idea of like that, that, um, that the invitation of this imagery, this idea of what the new Testament calls salvation is that in many ways that we, um, <clears throat> we are God's twice over, you know, in other words, that God, we are God's through, uh, through creation. And we're also God's through adoption. Um, and it's really, uh, um, an experience that's available to all of us, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, but, but, but it's, it's that, um, yeah, the fact that we are brought in as children and invited to have that experience. God is always apparent towards us. Um, whether or not we have opened to experience that on our end um, is, is, also, is a different story. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think as well, like these are, these are <laughs> images, metaphors for understanding what this relationship is with God as well, right? So, exactly. So you can kind of use multiple ones. I mean, there's even things like, um, like marriage is also used as a metaphor for a relationship with God. So it's not to say, well, okay, are we children or are we a spouse? You know, like that, what is that? Um, no, it's it's different ways of understanding. And one of the things I actually like about adoption and it's almost similar to the marriage imagery as well, is that there's a choice in in adoption. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. some of our experience of family is, is, Oh, we're, we're stuck with this, with our family. Like you're born into it and that's what it is. But Mm -hmm. adoption is parents who have said like there, there's, there's more of an element of choice. Obviously there's choice in God's creation because God chooses to create. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just has that other element in it of God sees us and we are broken Mm -hmm. and God still invites us. Like God still adopts us Mm -hmm. in the middle of that. Um, yeah. so I think there's, I think there's some power in that, yeah. um, as well. Yeah. I mean, and it really also goes back to the idea of like, I mean, we look at in the new Testament, <clears throat> it, it begins with people having an experience, like they are having some kind of a mystical, um, experience that they're just trying to make sense of. Um, and they're trying to find language that kind of encapsulates it. Um, and so the, 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 the uh, the kind of the relational pathway to family, <clears throat> sorry, uh, really kind of made sense of that. Oh yeah. Okay. This, this feels like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, is there something as well about kind of the children of Israel being, you know, God's children and then a sort of Gentiles being like the adoption being the offer to others. Is that, is that there in the, in the text? I know I'm kind of straying from yeah, yeah. what you're talking about, but no, no, no. Um, and it is more than me. Yeah. So. <laughs> and and it, it, it definitely is. I mean, and I think it, it's always a matter of, um, at least if we understand um, the progressiveness of uh, the things that Jesus uh, was saying, um, it's always a matter of nearness. Um, like if you think, for example, of a, a term that we're all very, very familiar with uh, is the idea of um, that God is Abba, that, you know, Abba Father kind of thing, um, that, that God is, uh, you know, uh, put within us the, the spirit of adoption by which we cry Abba Father. Um, Interestingly enough, I mean, that, that specific term, though it was common in that day of kind of like the, the, the language of, of a child calling their father daddy, um, I mean, in, in the historical text, I mean, Jesus was ever the first person ever to use that as an attribute to describe their relationship with God. 
um, the possibility of that, um, you know, the, the, the familiarity and that nearness um, and that openness um, to the divine experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, do you have a couple of, uh, do you have a few more minutes? Still? Sure, Can we, uh, absolutely. Um, I just want to ask, uh, I kind of ask most guests what your own uh, personal spiritual practice looks like. Hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, a couple things, um, that have been incredibly meaningful for me, obviously, uh, the prayer of recollection has just uh, <clears throat> been something that's been pivotal in my life. Um, as well as journaling, uh, the, 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 the process of, um, I, I'm a very external processor as it is. And so the idea of kind of getting out my experience on paper helps me to kind of, um, uh, really sit with that. But, you know, I, I think when it comes to spiritual practices, like, I think the thing um, that has been most meaningful for me uh, kind of comes from like, uh, I had a professor in, in seminary that talked about, um, he was talking with a spiritual director um, and his spiritual director um, was asking him, but he said, Hey, I really want to up my game in my spiritual practices. Um, and he was thinking these great things, like I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to pray for an hour and I'm going to read these books. And his uh, spiritual director said, hold on a second. Like, let's just back up for a second. Um, and he says, tell me about the most stressful part of um, and, and he said, the most stressful part of my day is when I sit down on my computer right before, um, I open my inbox hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> he says, well, what if, um, before you did that, you took a second and you said, spirit of God, these next four breaths are yours. Um, I open to you in these next four breaths. Um, and that, that was a rhythm that he had every day, um, took maybe 30 seconds. Um, but it was one of the most transformative, uh, cause it was a reorienting kind of part of his day. So um, I do have kind of like rhythmic kind of practices that I do, but for me having those moments to whether it's if I'm driving in the car or if I'm finding myself kind of off center in the day, having those very uh, simple rhythmic um, callbacks uh, of prayer to, to, to recenter me that at the core of my being, I'm not defined by my experience, but, but I'm loved and known and held in the midst of that. And I open to God in the midst of whatever, like ha- having those simple things has probably been the most influential thing, um, kind of consistent rhythms in my spiritual practices. That's really good. Yeah. And you've already answered my last question. By <laughs> last question. So that was really good. Um, I'll, I'll just say, thank you, Rodrigo. I, I really appreciate you, you coming on today. I don't know if there's anything else that you really wanted to share that you think our, our listeners need to need to hear today. Uh, Oh, trust me, I've exhausted everything, I guess. <laughs> no, um, no I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I think, um, yeah, I love what you're doing uh, through this podcast, through your website. Um, I think reframing those things are, are so, so important. So I, I'm really grateful for, for uh, yeah, this, this opportunity. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much. Take care. Absolutely. Okay. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.